Hello friends and welcome back once again to the Steal These Thoughts audio experience aka this podcast and today once more I am focusing on the very popular subject of the employee experience and I had a really good time speaking to the amazing Stephanie Yeo. Now Stephanie is a employee engagement manager and learning designer. So Stephanie has a really interesting background in merging the two worlds of employee experience and learning design, especially with startups. So I was really keen to speak to Stephanie about the employee experience today, how that's evolved with the pandemic, her journey in learning design and her career journey overall and what advice she would give to other people looking to start in that field too. And we speak about much more. So please stay tuned and uh, I hope you enjoy. So Stephanie, thank you for connecting and making time to have a chat today about all things L&D and the employee experience. Before we crack on to the main bulk of the podcast today, it'd be really great to find out a little bit about your own story and your journey so far. Cool. Thank you so much for having me. It's exciting to jump on a podcast that I myself get a lot of insights from. So for everyone listening, hi, I'm Steph. I look after employee engagement and learning design at the moment at Working Mouse and CodeBots, which are two technology companies. For me, I have a background in human resources. It's what I studied and I got my start in HR working at an awesome hotel chain, which was very much like a baptism of fire in the best way possible. And then I pivoted my career into customer experience. And I wasn't sure because I had a really linear career path in mind. I wanted to be VP of HR by the time I reached 30. That didn't happen. And then I transformed my career into something completely different spent two years working in customer experience and had to start at square one, learning a whole new industry, but came away with just a thirst for human-centered design skills. And then I moved into a startup where I looked after talent and community. So kind of similar to what I was originally doing in HR, but more focusing on the employee experience. And then the C in my CX just became community experience. So I found myself working with stakeholders, universities and people within the Brisbane technology community. And now I'm in an awesome hybrid role working in a shared services team, looking after the learning and development and employee engagement for two very different software companies. Awesome. I mean, that's a very varied kind of career history. That sounds very similar to some of the twists and turns I've taken as well, which we'll definitely jump into later on because it'd be good to find out a little bit on how you actually made some of those transitions and what you learned during that time. So as I kind of said at the top of the conversation, it's like I'm really interested in is employee experience. And I've seen a lot of your kind of insights that you've shared on LinkedIn and other social sites around employee experience and learning design in general. I suppose right now we've got this really strange time the world over. We're having this collective human experience of going through this pandemic and seeing how this has affected the workplace quite a lot in terms of Realistically, I always hate the word disruption, but it is a disruption to the way we work and this kind of remote working, digital first approach has fundamentally happened overnight and workplaces have been forced to adapt to that. Looking at the employee experience now, how much of a value do you think workplaces should place into the employee experience and actually look at the investment to? Because from my point of view, before the pandemic, it was more like a nice to have 
rather than a must have but i kind of think those tables may have changed yeah i agree 100 percent in regards to the employee experience it's funny because today i was working on a video with my teammate and she asked me to describe 2020 in three words and i was like like no other i think when it comes to the employee experience it matters more than ever and it's only because that we find ourselves working in a distributed workforce and people are not always in the office. There might be people returning to the office, but it's just not going to be the same as before. So I think for me, a lot of team members and myself, I was looking for connection and community. And I read this post at the beginning of the pandemic and it was like, what is the one thing that you're going to remember? What is the one thing that your team members are going to remember? And it's how they were treated throughout this very disruptive mm. time. So whether or not there were layoffs or redundancies and how that company approached that, as well as the change management of onboarding somebody remotely or looking after the current team members and making sure their needs are taken care of and they are seen, valued and heard. Yeah, that's a very, very good point, actually, in terms of the... I suppose the employer brand and I've kind of seen similar stuff where I think a lot more people are going to base in their potential career decisions and where they move to on how people are being treated in a, um, in a challenging time. And actually to- looking on the topic of well-being, I suppose well-being is a massive thing. Do you feel like, and I say this because I kind of feel like well-being has become the center of employee experience quite quickly. Mm-hmm. So whereas employee experience, we always kind of talk about the different experiences employees go through their life cycle from when they onboard yeah. to when they offboard. Well-being, you know, once again, I'm kind of looking at it's uh, from a, from my perspective in the UK and some of the companies we've worked with here, it's been more of like a, once more, like a nice to have something we may focus on for a week or one day, whereas quite exponentially, it's become the focal point of the employee experience and really people are championing well-being as that central pillar and then building kind of everything else around that. Is that something you've seen in your own work and in the industry? 100%. It's something that like what you said before resonated with me. It was so much of a nice to have for such Mm -hmm. a long time. And now we see people focusing more on mental health and I guess reducing the stigma so that they are providing opportunities for their team members to go seek help whether that's like provided through work or go do other things. And that could even be like team bonding things. I know I've seen a lot of online yoga classes run through remote teams, which is fantastic. That's cool. I would definitely be down for that. Mm. But I know that well-being is such a broad area, just like employee experience, that there's just going to be good coming from all of this and a lot to learn for all of us. Yeah, definitely. I must say I've been invited to way too many virtual yoga classes over the last six months. So uh, I should be a guru by the end of this pandemic, one would hope anyway. Something I'm also quite curious to talk about is you you mentioned obviously your experience in learning. You mentioned kind of human-centered design, which is another kind of passion quite close to me in terms of the work that I do. I suppose marrying your two worlds, which I think is really probably quite connected more than people realize with learning and employee experience. I also say that selfishly because that's the realm I'm working in. I spend a lot of my time convincing people that those two elements fit together. So I will biasly say that. But looking at kind of building a learning culture and designing learning for people, what are some of the, I suppose, misconceptions you've come across in your career in building a learning culture and how that can connect to a great employee experience? Because as I said, I think people really do 
spicy once again undervalue how much learning helping people grow in the right way can influence a really great employee experience honestly the biggest misconception that i had coming in was that it was going to be one size fits all so we were going to build this great framework and it would just permeate throughout the organization and it would just be awesome. So what I quickly learned is that it's what less about one size fits all and more about one size fits one. And coming from customer experience, I know personalization is a huge thing. It's even more so in the employee experience and the learning experience because your team members are diverse. They have diverse experiences and diverse needs and they're gonna need something that meets those needs and it's easy for them to embed in their flow of work. Yeah, definitely. No, I agree that 100%. Have you seen, and probably more from the kind of industry movements as well, and even the work you're doing in the startup world currently, have you seen the kind of the transition in the first four kind of learning and career development change, especially with more of the behavior where I suppose we're in this time now, and you may see a lot of these articles too, where there's a lot of focus on, you know, reskilling for the new world, people considering mm-hmm. different career options, because all of a sudden we've had this you know, massive chaotic event and people have actually either been able to or forced to take stock of the career path they're on now and evaluate, you know, what is it that they really want to do either from a human level because they've had such a, I think traumatic is harsh, but like a traumatic event that just made them think, is this really what I want to do? And it makes me think of a Steve Jobs quote where he said, if I look in the mirror every morning and I, this was my last day on earth, is this the thing I wanted to do? And it mm-hmm. kind of makes me think about that where people are looking at that, but also understanding that potentially the career that they're on now may not be a career that exists in the next few years. And Um, something I keep harping on to people about looking at your kind of skill set and saying what's you know what's the emerging skills what's the evolving skills and what's the expiring skills so do you feel the kind of first for learning has changed in areas and people are probably now more receptive than ever to start looking at right what is it I can do to not only develop my career but look at the breadth and potentially where they could transition to as well yes 100% I think um there's two sides, like for L&D professionals, it's very much thinking of capability in the future sense. So what type of skills do our team members and team leaders need to thrive, not only in their role, role right now, but in their role in the future? And how can we provide like a platform for growth for them? But from an individual point of view, this year in particular, I think a lot of people are more open to learning different things. There's definitely a thirst in the startup world for companies that do provide time for L&D and opportunities for L&D. But having said that, I know that I have team members and past colleagues of mine who work at organizations that will provide you five weeks of L&D time, but not everyone is taking that up. So I think it just depends on who you are and what you want to do. However, I know myself, like there are heaps of memberships and webinars coming online that will help you future-proof your skills or dive deep into topics that you might not consider for your career. But I think when it comes to like finding work that matters for you, it's really thinking about, well, what do you enjoy currently right now and what do you want to do more of and how can you take steps to bridge that gap? That's some great advice actually about looking at, I think in my experience, not a lot of people do that portion where they actually look at what is it they enjoy and what they want to do going forward. I think some people still see, let's say a career or a job as a, and it's fine. Some people do like this sink where I do this to get 
X amount of money so I can live this lifestyle apart from well, actually, if you're going to spend most of your life doing this thing, it's probably good that you actually enjoy that and, um, and have some interest on that. And saying, you know, around the kind of learning design and what you've seen and also employee experiences, looking at, although it's been a very strange time on a human level for the last year, what are some of the things that I suppose that have starting to come out of this and transitioning, especially on the employee experience and the learning front that you're really excited about? Mm, that's a good question. I think for me personally, there's a hunger for learning and development. I just want to touch upon what I said before. Mm. More and more people are thinking about their training budgets as something that they can utilize as opposed to something that just gets kicked to the curb. It's definitely getting intentional. Like if we have this learning budget, how are we going to ensure that everyone in our team has access to opportunities? Do they know what's available to them? Do they know that it's accessible and more so for leaders to actually step up and role model that behavior so that other people within their team can see that, hey, like if my leader is making time for learning, then it's okay for me. As an individual, this is probably the best time in history to do some learning. For me personally, I get so much value from these conversations or listening to podcasts or just hopping online and following hashtags relevant to my industry. So employee experience and learning and development are what I'm currently following and just binge watching. I don't know if you've heard of Bell Vista Studios and also the Learning Pro. They're like Australian based and they just pump up so much awesome content and also AJ and Smart. So I'm always just like, give me more. My brain is like a sponge trying to absorb everything, but not doing a great job at that. That's amazing. I'm very, very familiar with um, Bell Vista Studios and very similar on my end where I am one of those people that my YouTube playlist and Spotify playlist are full of podcasts and videos that could last me for, for probably another pandemic, to be honest, and going through all of those. But hopefully it doesn't continue more from there. I actually want to pick up on something that you, you said it was quite interesting around um, managers and role modeling yeah. in terms of learning and actually taking time to learn. And I suppose connecting that to the employee experience, because something I find in my work and other people and kind of our industry, I suppose quite often is that I suppose bridging that gap between when you're building lots of initiatives from a learning design element and you're trying to push stuff out there and connect people with it. And also the employee experience standpoint, you're trying to get more people involved in stuff that's you know really going to help build great places to work, but it's always trying to mm-hmm. crack that nut with managers and trying to bring them on board to empower them and taking on board. their are usually time poor population um, being able yes. to consume that. I mean, obviously this is a kind of a curveball question. What are some of the things that you kind of you've come across in your career where you've been able to engage managers in some of these initiatives? Um, I suppose any examples you could share around that would be fantastic. 100%. This is probably topical to me right now because I'm running through stakeholder engagement, trying to pilot a few learning initiatives and my stakeholders are managers and team leaders and not everybody is on board. So coming back to human centered design, I always use an empathy map and I write down what I think they might be going through and validate that in the conversation. So Time obviously is of the essence and it is everyone's greatest roadblock. So I kind of ask questions to unpack that. So, you know, if time is of the essence, what else might be going on? Is there anything that you need support and kind of unearths different areas, but also it's like, well, what would work for your team? What are some learning needs that will be relevant to them? And what about you? Like, what are you currently interested in? And oftentimes 
managers feel like, oh, somebody's putting the spotlight on me. It's such a weird experience because I'm too busy, like running the show, running the operation. But I was like, it's equally important that you harness this because in order for a learning culture to occur, we need advocacy and we need advocacy from the management team, the leadership team, and we need to be able to role model this behavior and get people excited by being excited. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with that. And um, it's also very topical for me because it always seems to be topical because it doesn't matter what, what organization I'm working with, that is the, I suppose, the primary gateway, in my opinion, to open up and get more mm-hmm. people in because we always spoke about, you know, kind of bottom up approaches, but you kind of get a block in the middle where you've got your your managers and if they're not on board and they don't feel like part of that journey and people who really um, champion that is probably the big thing for me in my world with learning and some initiatives that you do. And I've seen, I've seen, I've seen firsthand things crumble (laughs) quite quickly when uh, managers haven't been behind that. So that is incredibly important. What I want to do now is kind of shift a little bit, I suppose, looking at the pandemic era that we're in at the, moment in time and looking at our kind of industry and, and the work we're doing what would be some of the advice that you would share with people right now who were doing you know a similar role or in the same industry and you know has taken into account there's there's different movements in our industry i mean we've probably seen some people who've unfortunately you know been made redundant and had to seek other careers where there's other people who are have an opportunity to completely transform what they've been doing previously and take on a kind of whole new model for learning and employee experience. So curious to know what, what your advice you would share with someone in your position right now? I would say stay curious and don't be afraid to start with a hypothesis and run an experiment and see where it leads and just treat it as a baseline that you can build upon. Um, it's not the be all and end all, it's just your starting point. Don't be afraid to pivot as well. Even if you're halfway through a project, if nothing is working, no one is engaging, just go back to the drawing board and start again. It's not a failure. It's just progress and slow progress still counts. Amazing. Yeah, I love how you mentioned experimentation there. I think that is um, that is something I wish more people in our industry would do. I, I take into account it's probably difficult in some areas because not everyone mm-hmm. has that, I suppose, um, capacity or freedom to do that in their businesses. But I think there is a fear of, experimentation and potentially failure with that or working in it's a very hr buzzword but working in an agile way where you can kind of do stuff in sprints and say right we focus on this for a couple of weeks and see how that goes from there and uh and do that so that is you know very interesting that you bring that up from there something else that i've started to ask my guests now which is more more focused on the career element because what I'm really trying to do from my audience standpoint and some of the questions that they've been asking around these podcasts is finding out more specifically about people's career journeys and how they got to where they got to today because I think the the really big thing and especially now as we discussed is that a lot of people are looking at different career opportunities and uh, an early one you were talking kind of about your potential you were looking at kind of linear career path and then you've kind of had a bit more breadth now and moved across I'm kind of of the belief a lot of people uh, are looking and doing that. I mean, I'm a byproduct that I've shifted career around at least three times in the last kind of 14 years of my career. So I'm really interested in a couple of things. So one is, you know, how you got started and you mentioned it was only one, how you got started and kind of learning design and then how you started to understand that, you know, your skills could be kind of pivoted into this world of kind of customer experience, employee experience and, Kind of any advice that you have for people around that journey and what they can do in making transitions of their own. So it may not be in the kind of learning world, but 
any kind of advice you can give that when you are going through that thought process? Because I think that would be really valuable for people who are evaluating their own careers right now and trying to look at what are kind of the skills that they can use. And if they are looking to move into learning, what specifically could they look at to make that transition? Well, there's like three questions in one. So I'll do my there best was. to answer one. That's okay. I love a curveball question. So let's try. Um, the best way that I would describe it and the number one question that I would recommend everybody ask themselves is what do you want to be known for? And it's okay if this changes because your career will change. So think about where you are right now um, in the next, I guess, two years. If you had the runway, what would you like to be known for? And then when you get there and finish all the goals that you want or like start some goals and accomplish new achievements, you can reevaluate your career and think about what is valuable to you. So for me, it like above all, um, regardless of the role that I'm having, like one of the number one things that I am always searching for in my next career is a supportive team. Back to what you were saying before, I am so lucky that I do get to run these experiments and work with so much autonomy. Not everyone has it, but it's something that I've gotten really intentional about. And I often ask um, new employers, like what what's a day in the life of this role and what are some of the challenges that I might encounter and how, how would you support me through those challenges? So that's question one. We'll see. (laughs) Um, Okay. Question two is how I got started in learning design. I'm not going to lie. This role that I'm currently in is probably a full circle moment for me. So in my previous roles, learning and development and learning design has always been an element of the role. Plus, I always enjoy going to workshops because I'm trying to always be improving my facilitation skills. And the best way to learn is to do and to observe and to experience. But this role is where I'm actually finding my feet, where I'm working on 80% of my day-to-day is in the L&D space and everything else is business as usual, employee engagement and how that embeds into it. Uh, I think what I did was just get curious and go to as many different learning experiences as I could internally and externally and touch base with facilitators whose style that I resonated with. And even the facilitators who I didn't, because I always wanted to know how they got to where they were and what surprised them in the journey. And I think like you and I are a great example because I've been following your newsletter for a long time and your podcast came out and you've reached out to me and vice versa. It's awesome. And I think as nerve wracking as it is, don't be afraid to reach out to them and just ask them how they're going and how they came to where they are. The worst that they can say is no, and that's okay. And that's really good. I, I would echo that as well, because um, I reach out to people as I reach out to you quite often to, uh, to ask to have kind of conversations and chats and I think, you know, realistically, even as a society, that's the way we're, we're generally exchanging knowledge is that we're going out to each other and asking about, well, how do you do this? And how have you done that? And how do you approach this from here? And what are some of the things that I can consider to do that? So I would definitely encourage people listening to do more of that, even though I know it is nerve wracking and it is awful when you don't get that little tickle reply to your message. And don't worry, I, I've been there too. And then get, still get that today where people don't reply back. But it's part, part of the parcel, right, to understand where you want to be and you know what you want to do there. So I think that's some great insights there that people can take away and uh, start to think about if they are curious about the world of kind of learning design and employee experience. And I'm hoping more people are going to be curious about the world of kind of employee experience now and, and where that can take us. And linking into that, I suppose, really, and looking at um, employee experience overall and 
and some of the things that have uh, come out for this. If, and in your world, obviously working with a number of startups at the moment in time, if you're to have, I mean, hypothetical here, you're having conversations mm-hmm. with other organizations and you are talking about the employee experience as it is today, what would be, I suppose, some of the top line things that you would advise them on to look at in order to build kind of a better employee experience in the world that we operate now? Yeah, um, two things come to mind. So LinkedIn has this great phrase called next play. And I think I read an article on LinkedIn Talent Solutions like five years ago and it still resonates with me. And they're, they're trying to say, you know, whomever is joining our company, we know they're just here for a fun time and not a long time. They might be here for a long time, but as we know, careers have evolved to be quite transient and you won't find yourself being in a career for over 10 years unless you're evolving different roles. So the concept of this next play is like, right, you're going to be with us for two to five years. In that two to five years, what can we do to support your growth so that when you leave, you can level up your career in a different way and potentially because you've had such a great experience, you can boomerang back to us as your career evolves and if there is a role that fits because, you know, we know you're ready, we know your capability and your potential and that would be great. So that is probably what I would recommend people thinking about, particularly where I work right now, there is a diverse mix of team members. We have everyone from graduates and magic professionals to our seasoned pros and our veterans and catering to their needs is very interesting. It's definitely something that keeps me on my toes because their needs evolve. And I think the second thing that comes to mind is Kim Scott, who wrote Radical Candle. She has this great analogy of rock stars and superstars. So your rock stars are your technical subject matter experts. They're the people who just really want to grow their technical capability and their technical expertise. They don't care too much about linear growth or moving up as a people leader or moving up in their role. They just want to focus on the tools and we need to recognize and allow them to do so. And then you have superstars on the other end. These are the people who want to supercharge their career. They want to go leaps and bounds. They want to try all the hats. And again, this is a subset of people that we need to recognize that these people want to grow in a different way than our technical rock stars do and kind of cater to those needs. I know that's really like bleak and very oddly specific, but it definitely does make sense. That is actually fantastic. That just whole segment you said there was amazing. And I just learned so much. I love the thing of next play and boomerang immediately in terms of those concepts going through from there. And I'm halfway reading halfway through, I should say reading that book at the moment in time mm-hmm. and actually um, been watching some of the talks from, uh, from Kim Scott. And it's, it, again, it's timely that we're having this conversation because I am also looking at some of those things where you just spoke perfectly around eloquently talking about rock stars and the superstars, because we're always looking at, you know, very similar problems that people in LND have, where they have, especially in the tech world, where you've got a bunch of people who just want to get better at tools. They don't want to be mm-hmm. people managers. They're not really that interested in that. But most organizations, and I look at more the kind of corporate structures are more built to be you have to follow a linear path. So actually, once you get to a certain experience level, you're kind of shoehorned into this, be a people manager, as opposed to, well, actually, I'm yeah. pretty good where I am. Can I just continue to get better at that? And, you know, and stay there. And that's great. And there's other people who, just as you said, you know, kind of want to, I've been at companies where people are moving around every 18 months and they're doing this and then they're doing that. And then they, they, they come back full circle and they have a good, by 20 years, they've done about, 
10 different jobs in 10 different industries, yeah. which is um, great for some people. And I think that in particular, as you I say, you've eloquently put there is that I think that's something that would be really helpful for people in L and D and talent teams. Cause I think that is a very baseline kind of like problem that we all have. And we're all trying to figure out, okay, how do we appease, I suppose, as you said, kind of connect to and tailor for both of those audiences and to your earlier point where you were talking about when you first came in and there was that kind of, you thought it may be a one size fits all model and we kind of scaled it from there. But actually it's about yeah. that tailoring process, which is, yeah, that's amazing from my front there because that's even helped me today to even think about some of the things I'm looking at at the moment in time. So thank you for that. Now, as we come to the kind of near the conclusion of our conversation, because we've whizzed by already in, mm-hmm. in half hour, um, usually I ask people about kind of like any wisdom or any advice they want to share. I think you've given us loads already. So if there's anything else that you'd like to share, it can be unrelated to L&D. It can just be about, you know, the world in general and the things we're going through now. Please feel free to do that. And what I'd also like to do is to make sure that people can connect with your work. Like I said, I've learned a lot from our chat today. I learned a lot from your insights that I see on LinkedIn when you talk about the conferences that you go to and some of the articles that you've seen. So I'd love for other people to know how to connect with you, follow your work and and share any of that with us too. Awesome. Well, you can find me at Stephanie Yeo on LinkedIn. That's predominantly where I hang out online. And as for my final word of advice, I would just say it's okay if you don't know it all. It's okay if you don't Um, know anything if you're starting at square one so long as you do start and you don't have to have all the answers to deliver an amazing solution part of the fun is figuring it out so don't be afraid if you don't know it all this happened to me earlier this year where one of my mentors encouraged me to enter this like learning design competition and I was just like I don't know how to do this but I just learned my way through it and failed and learned at the same time and had a blast and it actually helped me to get a foot in the door into where I'm at currently. So you never know where it's going to lead you. And of course, as long as you learn something from that experience, it all makes it worth it. Awesome. That's amazing. Thank you very much, Stephanie. I've learned loads from there and we will leave it at that. And that's a wrap for this week, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please do remember to check the podcast notes for all of the links for today's guest. And as always, check out stealthesethoughts.com for more of my work and information on this podcast. Enjoy. Enjoy.